Okay, folks, you joining us by internet this morning. We're glad that you're here. For those of you who are aware or those who aren't aware, with the recent uptick with the COVID virus, we have not done our small groups last Sunday. Neither are we doing them today, but I am recording the, the sanctuary class, and we're going to be looking in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 17 and following. So take your Bible, if you would, if you're at home, if it's available. Now, if you might be uh, watching at other places or listening uh, and aren't able to do that, we'll read the scriptures for you. But we're glad that you're, you're with us, okay? And uh, tell others about it because it will be uh, available to be viewed at various times of convenience. Also, uh, we record every Sunday, or we, we try to do that. And uh, let, me, let me just encourage you to follow along with us. The last few studies have been looking at the life there uh, of Elijah, one of the great prophets of the Old Testament. And Elijah's influence there as he ministered and where we are today is that uh, uh, we see how that God used him in the life of a woman whose son uh, became ill and God used him in miraculous ways. The overcoming theme of what we're looking at this morning is serve through prayer. You know, sometimes we serve. I've been guilty of serving uh, sometimes and not pray, and I have to confess that. Uh, but I've also sometimes realized that as I am serving, that there are other people who are doing the praying. And man, when you begin to get those things where you have other people praying for you and lifting you up before the Lord, that's when great things begin to happen. So let's begin today by praying, and then we'll look at these verses, okay? Father, thank you. Lord, uh, for the joy that you give us as believers, for the excitement, Lord, that uh, abounds among believers when we allow the Spirit, Lord, the right place in our lives. Lord, bless those who have great need today. And Lord, uh, we know that there are far more than we have uh, a, a list of. But oh God, do, do raise up those who are on the beds of sickness and those, God, that have needs that we might not even know about. Bless those of our own church, Lord, who are suffering through some experiences today. We lift them up in prayer now in Jesus' name. Amen. As I was preparing for the lesson the other day, I think I started Monday, uh, page 94 in the quarterly, if you have one, uh, gives us an illustration there. Uh, and it was, uh, the, I'll just read part of it, okay? It says, in 1984, 18-year-old Thomas Hainsworth was on an errand to buy food for his mother. And while running the errand, a victim of a recent sexual assault saw him and mistakenly identified him as her attacker. Thomas was wrongly convicted and spent 27 years of his life behind bars. Then lawyers at the Innocence Project intervened using DNA testing 
to get his conviction overturned. And on December 6, 2011, he was exonerated of all of his charges. Now, folks, I cannot humanly imagine what it would be like to be wrongly convicted of a crime knowing that we or you did not commit, but yet and still have to be behind bars knowing our innocence all along. Well, thank the Lord for those people who will go to our defense and, uh, and argue for us, or might I say intercede for us. And what we look at today is a prophet in the Old Testament who was pleading the case of this woman uh, whose son had become ill, even to death, and now we find that Elijah would make such a difference uh, in her life. Well, let's read, first of all, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 17. It says, after this. Now, always when you see those uh, types of terms, like after this, read the previous verses because they will be giving you a picture of what he's talking about. Well, he said, after this, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. His illness got worse until he stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, Man of God, what do you have against me? Have you come to call attention to my iniquity so that my son is put to death? Now, with that in mind, the writer takes time to give us some of that uh, information about after this. He says and reminds us when it seemed things were returning to normal, life came crashing down on the widow of Zarephath. Her son became extremely sick, and when she experienced that horrific moment when her son stopped breathing and life left his body. Now with that in mind, thinking through this process, the writer tells us in 2013 uh, that uh, my husband and I received a phone call from the hospital. And it said, your son, code blue, found unresponsive, come immediately. We watched, helpless, doctors, nurses worked on the lifeless body, assessing the vitals, searching for brain activity. Such moments raised my myriad of unanswerable questions. Why, 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 my child, why now? How many of us, whether we've had a situation just like that or not, and praise the Lord, I haven't. But I have had many of those whys concerning other experiences in our lives. I'm sure that you have had the why yourself. However, as I grow older and as I sometimes have listened to other people's stories, I have heard many begin to say, not why me or not why us, but they have rather converted that and said, why not us? Why? Because the Lord said it rains on the just and the unjust alike. And as a result of that, who are we not to go through some hardship sometime? The writer asks a question, and I'm not looking for answers from it, but I want you to ponder it just a little bit. And he asks the question, what do we learn about the widow from her question to Elijah? And you remember her question to Elijah was a, uh, what do you have against me? In other words, he had already helped her, but yet now uh, she wants to look at him and say, it's your fault, it's your fault. Listen, folks, we go through lots of things in our lives, 
that there are no human answers to, but yet and still God loves us in spite of it. And as a result of that, we need to be very, very uh, thankful. We can question Him, but we need not to dwell on that. The lady wondered if her son's death was a result of her own sin. I remind you that there's a place in the New Testament, I think it's in the Gospel of Mark, and there was uh, attention brought because there was a child that had an illness. And uh, the question was, who did the sin? Was it the parents or was it something the child did? And if you remember, the answer of Jesus was neither. Neither. This isn't because of a sin. This is because I will be glorified through the process. Now, that's my paraphrase, okay? Surely, as we think about some experiences that we've been through life, we more than likely have been very overly uh, judgmental of ourselves, have we not? You know, the child gets sick, and child diseases really, really complicate this matter. And in this case, again, it's the son of the woman who owns the house that is now ill. The writer reminds us not even the wisest believers have an easy answer for much of the suffering we endure. Even Elijah questioned God at the turn of events. In verse 20, uh, Elijah will say or will question God concerning uh, the suffering. The great C.S. Lewis wrote, God whispers in a, or God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our conscience, but shouts to us in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. We may not know the reasons why, but suffering shouts for us to look to God. So many times through Scripture, and my mind is wondering even as I'm relating these subject matters to you, because recently I had preached on a couple of the miracles. You remember uh, the New Testament would tell us that one day Jesus was on the boat with the disciples, or one night, and uh, the wind became boisterous, and they went to Him, and the disciples said to Him, Care us not that we're about to die. The scripture tells us that Jesus being asleep, he just woke up and he calmed the winds. Now friend, let me say this. In every instance, Jesus may not calm the winds, but we sure hope he'll calm the heart. And that's what we know from this. Looking back at the passage, it says the woman now, when she saw her lifeless son, said to him, what do you have against me? Have you come to call attention to my sin so that my son has died because of something that I've done? Some of the hardest ministry opportunities that I've had in the ministry over 40 years is ministering to people who have lost children, some who were stillborn, some who died in young ages. I always remind us, uh, myself, and I don't talk about it a lot, but the day that our youngest daughter was born, I had a funeral that afternoon of a five-year-old who had been run over with a car. And you know, we could say why. We rejoice with life, but another mother was having to pain herself through death. 
God didn't say we needed to understand it, but he's trying to get us to understand that we can trust him through it. If you have your Bibles and you're following with us, now we're going to look at verse 19. Again, chapter 17, verse 19. It says now, Elijah said to her, Give me your son. So he took him from her arms, brought him up to the upstairs room where he was staying, and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow I'm staying with by killing her son? Then he stretched himself out over the boy three times. He cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, my God, please let this boy's life come into him again. Now, as you read that, remember, we're reading the version of the Hallman Christian Standard Bible. If you're reading from the King James, it's going to be a little less harsh with a couple of those words. I think about Elijah saying to God, am I staying, or am, uh, talking about the widow I'm staying with by killing her son. Now, we don't want to think that God would kill, but he's simply saying, Lord, you've taken the life of this boy. Why? Well, we can always find reasons to stay out of other people's problems, can we not? People take advantage of us, some would say. Therefore, I'm not going to get involved with them. Sometimes we just don't have the resources to fix what's broken. Yeah, if you walk into the department store and you find, you know, people buying their school clothes for their kids or their tennis shoes and their mother is saying to them, now you have to put that back. I only have so much money for that and I want to help them. But, you know, sometimes we're limited in our resources. Others. Maybe we just bury our heads in the sand and we put our fingers in our ears. Why? Because we don't want to hear it. It hurts too much. Now we find Elijah said, trust me with your son now. Remember, he is a deceased son, but he'll take him and carry him upstairs where he is staying. And because of this, Elijah gets involved in the widow's life, he could have just tried to give explanation. He could have tried to soothe her heart with some mundane or human analogies. But he said, no, let me involve myself. And when he could do nothing in his own power to help with her loss, he knew that God was still able to do the impossibles. In Elijah's honesty, the widow had just accused him of bringing this trouble. He didn't try to defend himself. He didn't pretend to know the answer. He would just take the widow's problem and make it his own. How many times do we, in our sincerity even, do we try to soothe someone's conscience when we really are incapable of doing that? I've, I've attempted over the years, I must confess. It's not always that people want to hear something from us. They really just want us to embrace them where they are. It's not the words that we can say, it's the warmth that they can feel from our hearts. However, Elijah, you remember Elijah, the one who could pray and it not rain for three and a half years, but yet again pray and the rain would come. 
The one who would stand up to the gods of Baal. The one who would outrun the chariot that day when the rain cloud was coming. You know what Elijah knew? He knew something we need to remember. And that is God can do anything. Now as we look at this, it says that Elijah would carry him upstairs. And he would begin to cry out unto the Lord. Now, as I look at that again, those two words, cry out. I don't know that that is in the King James. I could look it up quickly, but that's not important. But it is a statement of prayers what it is. You know, sometimes it, it might be a statement of prayer, but yet there are teardrops that flow from our eyes. However, many times that prayer is a method in which we are crying out of our innermost man. And he said he cried out to the Lord. And then he wants to ask God something. You ever have something you want to ask God? It's not wrong to ask God something. Elijah asked him, Lord, why have you brought this tragedy on the widow that I'm staying with by taking her son? Now, some people would get angry with somebody that would talk to God like that. But you've got to remember, God is the one who can feel the infirmities of our heart. The Scripture said He was in all points tempted. Better translation may be tested in all points like we are, yet without sin. The writer of the Hebrew letter said that he was brought to that place that he might be a compassionate high priest. So with all of those things, we learn now that Elijah is calling out to the right person who is God. He is not accusing God, but he is questioning God. So if you're listening to me today, and you've been in a similar situation, and you have questioned God about something or some experience that happened in your life, and someone might have came along and said, Oh no, it's wrong to question God. I beg to pardon you. It's all right. But friend, let's not dwell on the fact that we don't get the answers. Why? Because many times the Lord might say to us, You'll understand it better one day, or maybe as time goes on, the pains of grief will get much less. The widow had accused him, but now he is with the son. He and the son alone upstairs. And Elijah now does the only thing he needs to, or, or that he knows to do under the circumstances. He prays. The writer said, Real faith doesn't presume to know why God does what he does or why he allows what he allows. Real faith asks the hard questions. It voices the doubts and anguish that we feel. It also says it trusts that whatever happens, He is all-loving and all-powerful. It trusts that God is the answer to our every need. I'm wondering, this is just a wondering of mind, okay? And that is, could the widow downstairs maybe hear Him pouring Himself out to God? I don't know whether she did or whether she didn't, God is, going to, God is going to bring the healing, not only to the son, but the healing to the mother. Now, as we think about it, Elijah's an example of an effective prayer. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Elijah was a human being as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain in three and a half 
for three years and six months, it didn't rain. Then he prayed again, and it rained. I mentioned this to you earlier. Now, if you want the text of that, it's James chapter 5, verse 16 through 18. Now, we remember Elijah's a powerful prophet. But yet and still, there were times in Elijah's own life when he would despair of his own life. Now, as we think about his humanity, he did not possess miraculous powers, or maybe he would have touched the child without calling out to God. But he believed that God could do something. And as he called out to God, he dared to ask God for the impossible. Lord, please let this boy's life come into him again. Now, friend, that's, that, that's praying. That's trusting. That's calling. Maybe you're the one today that might be burying your child. Yes, I heard a gentleman today who came in. We were talking before the service, talking about a call that they had made this week, and it was to a four-day-old child who was deceased. Friend, I don't know pain like that yet. I don't know pain like you're experiencing or have experienced. But I know a God who does, and we can call upon Him. We can call out to Him. I've tried to learn as I go alongside of people when they have went through circumstances like this, never to say, I know how you feel, because I don't. About 10 days ago, my phone rang, and uh, well, my phone was broken, but I got a text on my wife's phone or a call, and it was telling me about a, son, a boy's mother had died. And uh, I immediately got up from what I was doing, and I went. And sure enough, there in the home by themselves, three people, his mom had just died. I could not say, I know how you feel. You say, why? Your mom has died too. Yes, but she didn't die in the front room of my house. Friend, always remember, there's a God who knows, but the fact is that we don't know. So let's call on him. Now we look at verse 22, it says, So the Lord listened to Elijah, and the boy's life came into, him, came into him again, and he lived. Then Elijah took the boy, brought him down from the upstairs room to the, of the house, and gave him to his mother. Elijah said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, listen to the statement, Now I know you are a man of God, and the Lord's word from your mouth is true. Now, I think of that statement. There's a couple of times, I think it is in the book of Ezekiel, that the Lord gives us uh, about Ezekiel. And the Lord would say that when Ezekiel was going through something tough, he said, now, when you're gone, they'll definitely know a man of God's been among them. Now, in this passage, what that lady in my paraphrase says, I know that you're God's man for the hour. And I know that the Lord's word, notice the Lord's word from your mouth is true. I like how the writer puts it. God is not a divine Santa Claus who grants our every wish. God is not beholden to do our bidding just because we ask, but he invites us to participate with him in helping others. 
Let me give you a verse. Write it down, or maybe you already know it. Jeremiah 33.3 The Lord said, Call unto me, and I'll answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things thou knowest not. Now, what did Elijah do? He called unto God. What did God do? He showed him great things that he, he trusted for, but he couldn't understand or he couldn't explain other than to say God did it. Oh, this lady, what a, what a blessing to be able to hold her living son again. Let's remember that God still works or acts in response to the prayers of His people. Someone said that God answers all prayers. He either says yes, He might say no, or He might say wait. I'm not saying which one of those answers might come to your prayer. But God's very presence is a continual reminder of God's mercy and His compassion of friends who brought together in prayer. Jeremiah 29, 11 was a verse that we looked at last week as we preached out of Ezra chapter 1. And Jeremiah 29, 11, without me quoting the verse and getting tongue-tied on it, the Lord said, I know the plans that I have for you. And in the end, He said, it's plans of an expected end. God doesn't take pleasure in watching us hurt or causing us to cry. God takes pleasure in knowing that He can trust us with whatever comes because we trust Him. God says yes oh often, and that is aimed at a higher purpose. Through His response to our prayer, He reveals something of His nature and fosters our faith. The words of Elijah when he brought the sun down, Look, look, your son is alive. Her first words was, Now I know. I can only imagine the joy that she had. You know, she might have been feeling the eyes or touching the ears or nose, but out of her mouth came these words, Now I know. At last she knew God is real. Living in a culture now of Baal worshipers, the widow awakened to the truth, Yahweh alone is faithful and is God. You know, we're living in a time around us when, when there is a great urgency in our lives. Why? Yes, the spread of the covid the, the, the particular strain of the COVID is extremely contagious. And now we wonder what we can do. And friend, we're limited. But I tell you, is this. We just need to be available. Like Elijah, because when and if something happens, we need to give a word. Or we need to have a word with God, but also give other people a word from God. The writer closes by saying this, Perhaps more people around us would come to faith if, like Elijah, we dared to ask God for the impossible. When we pray, God responds. And when God responds, it points to Him. So today, let's remember the theme of the lesson 
out of 1 Kings chapter 17 is serve through prayer. And I could paraphrase that again. As we serve, be prayerful. But you know, not just for our service, let's be prayerful for those who are serving around us as well. Why? Because there are many facing things today that they need God's help, God's instruction. And as we are a prayerful supplier for that, we know that God would get all the glory and all the honor and praise. Thank you. Uh, next week's study would be coming out of, again, 1 Kings chapter 18, still looking at the character of Elijah. The subject matter will be serving with loyalty. So today, serve prayerfully, but also from this, serve loyally, okay, or with loyalty. Thank you. Uh, if you want to join us, not sure about small groups next week at Second Baptist, but I will be doing this lesson in the sanctuary, and you're more than welcome to sit with us as we are here next Sunday morning at 10 o'clock, okay? Thank you. God bless.